Alleluia, he is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to walk you through today uh, the most unique of the Easter stories in the four Gospels. And I uh, hope that you'll follow me today. Uh, we Anglicans don't get a chance to choose our readings. They're kind of chosen for us in what we call an electionary cycle. Today's Mark's Gospel. We're in chapter 16. Um, and uh, if you look at chapter 16, we're going to be in verses 1 to 8. But um, many markers that make Mark unique, the immediacy with which he tells the narrative of Jesus. But today we're going to look at the resurrection and how different it is in Mark's gospel. And so what you'll notice, first of all, about the Easter story is that these three women, two Marys and a woman named Salome, are going to the tomb to anoint Jesus one final time for his burial with spices pushed into the skin so that he doesn't stink and as an act of devotion. You might call those three women the first Spice Girls. <laughs> I know, it's kind of corny. It'll help you remember it, though, I promise, okay? All right, so in verse 2, we read about them coming in the early morning, the wee hours, and their greatest concern is, how are we going to roll that big old stone away? I mean, it's seven, several hundred pounds, and we're just three women. That's the biggest thing on their mind, go into the tomb. But they get there, they find out the stone has already been rolled away. And they're met, once they go into the tomb, with a man in white, a man in dazzling raiment. It is an angel sent from God. And the angel in verse 6 tells them this, Do not be alarmed at what you see. Alarmed? No, no, nothing out of the ordinary here. That word alarm means to be distressed and fearful and with great alarm. So the angel says, don't fear, and that's exactly what they do. They're filled with fear. But the story gets more baffling. Look at verse 8. When they saw the empty tomb, the place where Jesus was supposed to be laid, they fled the scene. Oh my goodness, not with Easter joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, he's risen, he's risen indeed. No, look at verse 8. And they went out and fled the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Trembling, phobeomai in Greek. Same word from which we get phobia, trembling. In that context, it would mean to be afraid, alarmed, and, and filled with a profound reverence for what they saw. And astonishment, astonished, ecstasis, the word that we get ecstasy from. But it's a little bit different in Greek. It means a mixture of both amazement and astonishment and bewilderment. In other words, that a failure to grasp what they are witnessing. What's more, verse 7, the angel commands them, Now go and tell Jesus' disciples and Peter that he is risen and he's going before them into Galilee. Go and tell, the angel commands. And yet Mark says plainly in verse 8, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Don't be afraid, they're afraid. Go and tell, they're left speechless. Man, do you see the uniqueness of this gospel? Do you, do you, what do you think of when you think of Easter? I mean, these women had quite an experience Typically, we, we think of big hats 
And, I, and I'm ashamed to say I hadn't seen a big hat in any of the three services. I, I'm a, a letdown this Easter. <laughs> we think of young ladies in colorful dresses. We think of people pulling out the seersuckers for the first time in a long time. The joyous bells and the alleluias returning to the life of the church and Easter egg hunts after church and these wonderful Easter lilies. But not so for these women, right? No. Easter, at least initially, was much more complicated than we make it today. The tomb, the empty tomb, induced in them, deep in their souls, a startling complexity of both amazement and astonishment and fear and alarm and ecstasy and bewilderment all at the same time. And it didn't matter how much that angel said, don't be afraid. They were afraid. Didn't matter what he commanded them to go and tell, they were left speechless. So here we are, 2,000 years later, trying to make sense of Mark's gospel. I want to make two very brief points today. One is the indelible mark that Easter leaves, the indelible mark, the inescapable question that Easter asks, the indelible mark, inescapable question. And first, the indelible mark. Whenever you have an event in your life that's the first time, first time for anything, a new experience, a life-changing thing, it's natural, right, to be filled with all kinds of emotions. But why? I think it's because we don't have a preformed category in our brains because this is a first-time thing. We don't have that cubicle into which we place the data. It's like throwing a puzzle out that we've never completed before, and you got to take some time and put all the pieces together. Having a child's like that, isn't it? I remember the first time we were trying to have a child, and it had taken some time, and we were very frustrated, and yet again another pregnancy test thrown in the garbage can. And then for whatever reason, my wife Leslie was inspired to go back about 30 minutes later. And, and she looks at the thing, and it's got a plus sign on it. It's not supposed to take that long. And she looks at me, and she said, could it be? I'm like, I don't know. We've never done this before. <laughs> and then she starts crying, and I start crying, and we're speechless. And, and we hug each other, and not knowing what to expect. And, and then with joy, we start to think, well, what does this mean? Is it Christian or Christina? Is it going to be pink or blue? Which room do we dedicate to this child? Oh, we got to think about college funds and buying all the stuff. And, and so we're awash with a million different emotions. I remember my granddaddy talking about the bombing of Pearl Harbor and what a vivid thing that was for him. But it was a category that he didn't have in his brain. He thought nobody could bomb American land. Certainly that couldn't happen. And I remember coming home from physics class at Presbyterian College and coming into my dorm, into the commons area, and everybody's huddled around the TV, and they're looking at I said, what's the deal? And they said, the space shuttle has just blown up. I said, no, 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 the space shuttles don't blow up. NASA is safe now. That can't happen. They said, but it did. See, I didn't have a category to put that in. I, I grew up believing that all space travel was going to be safe. I remember going into the office in Conway. And somebody said that a, a plane had, had plunged into one of the World Trade Center towers. I said, no, 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 that can't happen. Then we pulled out the TV, and all of a sudden a second plane goes in. And, and then we watch it for a while, and we're speechless, and a tower falls, and then another tower falls. 
We had no cubicle in which to place this new data. It was something we had never expected to experience. Now, if you've been alive for any of these events, you know that they leave an indelible mark on your heart and your soul. You remember exactly where you were, and you were filled with a hundred different types of emotions. Do you think maybe that's what the two Marys and Solome were feeling that morning at the tomb? Jesus is not there. The tomb is empty. They didn't think in their wildest dreams they would find an empty tomb. They came to anoint a dead man. The last thing they thought was, a man getting up from the dead. So here's the reality. You can't show me a Jewish historian that will tell you that they expected a man to rise bodily from the dead in the middle of history. It just wasn't the case. Jews, at least certain sects, had an idea that there would be a vague sort of resurrection where people would live at the end of time, but nobody believed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus on Easter Day. Wasn't a category that anybody had. They came to anoint a dead man, and they had no words. Absolutely, Easter was another category. Those women understood death, right? I mean, we understand death. We've seen it. I mean, you know how it works. You go to the funeral home. You got this long line of folks you hadn't seen in ages, and you don't remember half their names. And it's an awkward situation. And then somebody gets to the front of the line and gawks into the open casket and says, doesn't Grandma Ethel look great? And you you think to yourself, you know, I don't want to step on any toes, but if death is an upgrade in the looks department to you, God bless you. (laughs) No, death is ugly. It stings. It hurts. It leaves holes in our lives. But we can understand it. We can move past it. If you're older than 16, you've probably experienced it before. You see, what shocked those women was not death. It was life after life after death, as N.T. Wright puts it. Life after life after death caused them to be amazed with all this complexity of emotions running breathlessly from the tomb. So for the next 50 days, Jesus would appear to over 500 people And slowly they had begun to put the pieces together of Easter hope and Easter joy. They would create a category in their minds and souls in which to receive this great gift. And isn't that why we're here today? To expand our minds, our souls, and our hearts. To uh, receive a gift that causes amazement and shock and wonder all at the same time. An indelible mark left on the world. So my last point is this. The inescapable question. These women were full of fear and foreboding and trembling and running. And in verse 8, it ends with that. It ends with that. I know you see probably an extra ending in your Bibles, but that is not inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Almost all the earliest manuscripts end with verse 8, and I'll tell you why. See, Mark doesn't leave us with a lot of resurrection experiences. You don't get a great commission from Jesus to go and tell the world You don't get a walk with two disciples on the road to Emmaus. No, you don't get those. You don't get a doubting Thomas. You don't get Jesus eating fish tacos with his friends on the beach. You don't get that. You end with gar in Greek. For. Because. Because what, Mark? For what, Mark? The Greek lexicon says that word gar is a marker for showing cause or reason for something. It's almost as 
though Mark is saying, these women were afraid. They were marked. They were amazed. They were excited. They were fearful because they were filled with fear. Why? Audience, he's becoming an evangelist. Billy Graham, this is his altar call. He wants us 2,000 years later, as we read through this narrative of resurrection joy, to fill in Easter hope in our hearts. They were amazed. Why, Eddie? They were amazed. Why, Terry? Give me the answer. Fill in the blanks. Because I guarantee you this, it may be a great tradition to come here once a year and love all the seersucker suits and the beautiful dresses, but Easter will remain simply a tradition until you answer the Easter question in your heart. What caused them to be amazed, shocked, to run breathlessly from a tomb there where their Savior was no longer resting? They were astonished because, fill in the blank, you see the resurrection of Jesus just remains in the church and not in our hearts and souls and minds until we answer that question. And Paul said this, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, we are of all people most to be pitied because we are still in our sins. Lock the doors, go home, church means nothing. He says, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, our faith is in vain and our preaching is in vain and I better get another job. But if the resurrection happened, it changed the world. C.S. Lewis would say, if Christianity and the resurrection is false, it's of no importance at all. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. And I hate to say I'm fearful that some of us have taken it as moderately important. But it wasn't for those women. It shocked them. It amazed them. It was a conundrum that they had to figure out and put together. But it changed their lives. And I pray that Easter will for us this year. It begs an answer to the question. And Paul in Philippians said it's clear that at some point in history, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow at the lordship of Jesus. And there will be two types of people, those who have freely and gladly accepted the lordship of Jesus in this life and those who never answered the question for themselves in this life. But everybody will have to answer at some point. So I beg of you to step through the open tomb today, receive the indelible mark of Easter joy, and allow the resurrection to change you. And if you haven't answered the question for yourself, answer, why were these women so filled with amazement and joy running breathlessly from the tomb? In Jesus' name I pray.